Ryan Stanton here with ASEP Frontline, joined today by Dr. Amish Shaw, who's a state representative in Arizona, now running for U.S. Congress. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, the role of emergency medicine and physicians within the political arena and within congressional districts and the opportunity to make that run, because now that you have, I believe, five years within the Arizona House and now uh, making this run for U.S. Congress. So first and foremost, let's start off with a little background uh, on yourself and fill folks in that didn't catch the podcast last year that we did. Uh, I'm, I'm originally born and raised in Chicago, went to Northwestern for undergrad and medical school, and after that, left medicine for a couple of years, did a job with a strategy consulting firm. It was more corporate for a year just to kind of learn something about the world and then got a master's in public health at UC Berkeley, residency in emergency medicine at Lincoln Hospital in the South Bronx. Very proud of my residency program. We're still in touch, some of us. And uh, it was a great place to train. After that, Mount Sinai across the East River and through them, I worked for the National Football League. I was on field with the New York Jets for several years. That led to a sports medicine fellowship at the University of Arizona, which was a wonderful education. And, and then after that, just was practicing clinical emergency medicine all over the state, from Cottonwood to Bullhead to Yuma and all these other places in, in Arizona before entering public service. So are you saying that you were involved with the New York Jets in the era of the butt fumble? Were you there then? It, it, it was. Uh, I wasn't there for that particular game, but yeah, I, I was there during the Sanchez years. Mm -hmm. That's That was the peak of uh, Jets football for quite some time now. It looks like with Aaron Rodgers, may have a little extra life coming on. So at least hope springs eternal for the New York Jets. So talk about the decision and progression into politics as an emergency physician. Uh, I was working in various hospitals. At the time, it was a, a great thing. I had gotten a pilot's license and I was flying all around Arizona to get to these various hospitals. So it was kind of cool. And yet I was left with a, a little uh, angst, if you want to call it. I, I, I think we all understand we can control what happens within the four walls of the ER, what happens to the patients, and actually practicing at some of these places sharpened my clinical skills to the point where I, I felt like I was as sharp as, if not sharper than I was in residency. Because a lot of times in, in some of these rural places, you're the only doc in the hospital. But you're, you're doing the best you can for patient at a time, one patient at a time, but you're asking yourself, what about what's coming in through the front door? What about the system that's putting us in the place we're in, right? And, and many of us, especially in emergency medicine, have had to have that thought, like, what about the system? Who is taking care of what's coming in through the front door and the environment in which we are practicing, right? So, so that was it. I, I started to think about systems, right? I started to ask myself, well, who, who is going to make sure that that we're, we're in an environment where we're able to practice effectively? There, there's more going on than, than just um, being at the front lines. So I was involved with some charity projects. I was doing some kids' charities through a personal friend, animal charities. And uh, it 
had an impact. It had an impact on the world. And, and those efforts made a bigger impact on, on the world at large. And I said to myself, well, maybe I can start to get in, just think about ways to get involved at a bigger level. So I went to one political meeting in North Scottsdale. And while I was there, I got drafted by some ladies who uh, were a little bit older and were drinking champagne and mimosas at a golf club. And they said, go meet this gentleman. His name was Dr. Eric Meyer. He was the House Minority Leader at the time. And he was an emergency physician. How great was that? So we sat down, we had coffee. He said, come on board the campaign. I'll show you what to do. We'll go knock some doors. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with this idea of just having conversations that would lead to building coalitions that would then enact change in society. So as this happens, you you end up um, running, making it into the uh, house of rep, the house for the uh, Arizona House. Uh, talk about that. The, what you've learned from the standpoint of being an emergency physician, trying to facilitate change, but then now being on the other side, where you're receiving those requests for change and being able to potentially put forth legislation or change legislation or whatever it may be, support or, or turn down whatever it may be. Uh, so talk about that aspect of things of what you've experienced from that side and some messages maybe that can translate in terms of our advocacy efforts when we go to our local state houses and some of the challenges that you may face because I think a conversation we had was that one of the biggest things you noticed is the first thing you first time you walked in the room you're automatically the healthcare expert which not only is nice as an opportunity if you have that uh, if, if you end up in that side of things, but also concerning in areas where there may be that vacuum of having a true uh, content expert on those areas. Yeah, you're you're exactly painting the picture right. It, it's that uh, I, I'm the only physician in the Arizona legislature right now, and people of both parties will come to you and and ask. Uh, all kinds of questions about healthcare because healthcare is a technical subject, and they you you have a lot of opportunity as a legislator and a, a physician to build relationships and to uh, get policy done if you're a good person and a credible source and and you're factually representing what's what's happening down there, which which I try to do to members of both parties, and <clears throat> and so. Uh, people from all across Arizona who are anywhere connected to healthcare, and I'm not just talking physicians, I'm talking nurses, hospitals, insurance companies, et cetera, they want to engage with you because they know that you're speaking their language. And, and that puts you in a position where you can then work with them collaboratively or in, in whatever way uh, uh, that you want to, 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 Try to move an agenda forward and try to make things better for people. That that's that's pretty much it. So you're 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 getting to exactly that spot. And as far as advocacy goes, um, a lot of times people will come into the House of Representatives and they'll say, "Well, I don't." Especially physicians, they'll say, "Well, I've never lobbied before. I've never spoken to our my representative. I, I'm a little intimidated to be talking to them." I and I and I turn around and say, "Look." Most of the folks, if they're good legislators, they're trying to learn from you. It's an opportunity to educate the legislators on what is going on there in our world, open up a window into our world and, and give them straight facts about what it's like to practice. And typically, legislators, in my 
experience have had a lot of respect for physicians, nurses, and everybody in the healthcare field because they know what we do in, uh, in terms of taking care of patients. So I, as far as advocacy goes, yeah, just remember that a lot of legislators won't know the technical aspects of, of any given policy. And unless that person is a physician, nurse, or somehow otherwise deeply involved in healthcare, you're there to sort of open up uh, some things for them. So we always hear about when we do the education and priming for advocacy events, we always hear the plant the seed, tell the story, make the ask. Um, so a person, you know, kind of preface everything, tell a personal story that, that puts a connection, especially if it's somebody within a district, and then make your ask of what you're looking for. Um, what are the things that you've seen that actually make uh, make hay with regard to discussions with legislators? And what are the, some of the things that you see are, that consistently, whether you or others, are going to be big turnoffs when, when folks come into your office or wherever you may be meeting? Mm. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, a few years ago, I, I was at AAEM, uh, HPEM. Um, what we did there was it was a smaller group discussion, and we talked a lot about, and in a 45-minute session, exactly what you're just talking about. How do we get that done and do it well? So one thing you can do is practice. You can sit with a partner, and uh, two people can go back and forth practicing what to say and what not to say. You want to be concise. You want to get that down to a minute or two or three. <clears throat> you want to preface the conversation even before you get into a pitch of some kind. Try to build a relationship. Uh, it, it, it's nice to be able to know something about the person you're speaking with and to say, where are you from? What kind of background do you have? And, and, and just, just start building a more personal relationship with the legislator or the staff member because that really helps. It, it, they just, just like we do in medicine when we take care of patients, they, they um, care that you know only after they know that you care, right? And, and so you, you, you be a human, be a good human, be a nice person first, G get that pitch in there, um, give people some concrete examples and stories, don't overuse statistics, those, those are, are nice tips. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you, you want to be in there. The most effective lobbyists tend to introduce, uh, say, a bill or a policy that they either want a yes or a no vote on, and then tell you why they really believe that that needs to happen. And then say, you know, would you have any questions or would you please consider voting yes or no on HBXXX, right? And and <clears throat> so that that makes it easy for the legislator to say, okay, because we we have these conversations all day, right? You can imagine how many people and constituents and lobbyists come into your office and and ask that would you please vote yes, vote no, and this is the influence I want to have. So you you want to make it fun for them. You want to make it concise. You want to make your arguments clearly, and you want to convey your personal. Uh, um, uh, experience with that issue too, right? So why you? Why are you telling me about this? Ryan, Dr. Stanton, why do you know about this? What have you experienced personally? I, I would like to know that. So making that personal connection, um, and one thing that I've seen with emergency, well, medicine in general, uh, you know, it's happened in multiple states, including in Kentucky, where um, physician-based groups have, have come in with this no, 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 no. You know, everything is a no. Um, just blocking everything, knowing everything, to the point that 
you know, we had, a, we had to have a significant rebuild of relationships with our congressional folks because there had been years of no uh, instead of years of ideas and solutions. Um, and I've heard multiple states where physicians are in the no position most of the time and, and really not in terms of bringing forth ideas and solutions. In your experience, what have you seen with regard to, you know, that idea of being just a, you know, sitting in the corner with your arms crossed profession, um, just saying no to everything, get off my lawn, uh, versus the idea of coming in and actually being that collaborative teamwork, let's, let's work towards a solution approach? Well, I think, I think um, that you, you bring up a really interesting point in, in the following sense, that we tend to be defensive. And I did not want to go down that route from the very first session that I was in office. <clears throat> 2019, I was talking to the Arizona Medical Association. And, and remember, the state medical society is typically going to have a lot of the lobbying power in any given particular state. And they had uh, said that their legislative conference where they kind of come up with ideas and what the agenda for the next legislative session was slated for November or December. Well, I, I told them, look, that, that's just really too late. You won't be able to craft and formulate bills in order to get them ready for the beginning of the January session. So you have to prep early and start. Whoever it is, whether it's ASAP or whether it's your medical society, has to start thinking well in advance of a state legislative session anyway. Now I know, I, you know Congress is going to be more like continuous, but, but prep that legislation and get it ready prior to the start of a session well in advance and line your ducks up so that you can actually play offense. The organization I found, and, and this is not, not to uh, you know cast any shade on anybody, but it's that five years ago, we were more in a purely defensive frame of mind. And I walked in and I said, no, the, the best <laughs> defense is a good offense, right, too. And, and I want to play offense. So let's get some bills together that will proactively help physicians move the ball forward. And over the last five years, that's exactly what I've done. I've had multiple bills that I've sponsored that were that helped us move our agenda forward. So prior authorization reform, I know it doesn't affect emergency physicians, but it was huge for physicians all over the state of Arizona. The non-retaliation bill, which talked about how emergency physicians who blow the whistle on a patient safety issue would not be retaliated against or let go. And that was happening because that law was actually out of date in the state of Arizona. Uh, the the anti burnout bill that that I did all three of these uh, were bills that that are sponsored by me in my name to try to say to the people at the grassroots and the front lines of emergency medicine, look somebody's looking out for you. The, these are ways in which we are trying to improve the entirety of of the experience of being a physician so that you can keep doing your job. And and that's like I was telling you before, that's part of the reason I ran for office. So we've had a lot of success doing that, but we've had to just honestly adopt a more of a offensive mindset. A lot of it just came from having the the mindset of saying, no, we're going to go in there. We're going to actually try to run bills. So let's get the change in landscape that you're experiencing. Now you've um, you decided to make that leap looking at U.S. Congress um, running uh, for Arizona. Um, kind of dive into a little bit just 
kind of pull back the curtain on that difference you've seen from looking at the running and being within the state house to this now pursuit of federal um, federal Congress level. Uh, how, how do you see it different? What's what's the change that you've experienced so far? It's it's a very different campaign, just because people I think expect that you're going to run a very different campaign. Um, a little bit of inside baseball is that people in the federal world say you you just simply can't run a state legislative type of campaign. In my first three campaigns, I have knocked a lot of doors. That is the bread and butter, I think, of these of my campaigns. And I attribute my victories and all of those to the door knocking campaign. So I've knocked 15,000 doors personally, right? And I, I, I think we may have talked about this on a prior podcast with you. I cut my practice back to one day a week and starting at 10 a.m. I'd knock on the first door and finish at sunset. And I did that for 18 straight months on my first campaign in order to win. Right. And and that's the bread and butter. That's that's the heart of it. Meeting the constituents, getting to know them and and then winning, winning the race. I think for a congressional race, people see it as a much, much bigger race, even bigger than the population numbers might otherwise imply. So my legislative district has 250,000 people in it. The congressional district has 750,000 people in it. Three times the number of people, and yet the amount of money you're expected to raise, and, and it feels as though the amount of effort is closer to 10x or 15x. And, and so it becomes a much bigger project. It's a national level project too, right? So you will be... Honestly, a lot of it also comes down to fundraising at the, the congressional level. It's not just me. It's every congressional candidate in the country is trying to raise money because these campaigns take a lot more with regard to reach. And when we're talking about reach, we're talking about ad buys, media. <clears throat> it's expensive to put ads on TV. And so you need a lot of money to do that. And, and that's what every campaign has to struggle with and, and has to deal with. Instead of knocking on doors, most congressional candidates will will be on the phones raising money continuously. And we know that because we get a lot of those phone calls as physicians, right? So let's wrap up today with a little bit of a take-home message for physicians that are physicians or others that are listening in and saying, you know, maybe I'd take the step or maybe I need to look in this, maybe I want to make a difference and, and kind of take the next step and a take-home message for those that are making that consideration, why it's important uh, for physicians and other within medicine to be involved uh, from the political standpoint, even though it goes against like every fiber of our being with regard to the scientific method and one plus one equals two. I just think about that every time I go to Frankfurt, um, that you know, every time I come across, I'm like, I have no idea how one plus alpha equals zebra pants, you know, that how we got to this with, with all of that, but understanding that that kind of circuitous route to get to is is what it takes uh, with regard to legislation. I mean, I'm, I'm just encouraged every time I hear about an emergency physician who wants to run for office. So you go to ASAP LAC, and there's a lot of people who will approach both me and, and you know, there's another state legislator in Pennsylvania who I love, uh, Arvind. And and so we'll, we'll get approached and say, I want to run and or I'm thinking of running. A lot of times it's medical students and residents. Uh, sometimes it's, it's uh, physicians who have been out 
And, and I love hearing that. It, it's a, a difficult road. It's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's a lot of work. It, 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 it's a lot of sacrifice to do that. But, but in, in a sense, isn't it somewhat parallel to the path of an emergency physician as well? You're, you're out there, you're part of the social safety net, you're taking care of everybody that comes to you, right? You're, you're, you're open to, to everybody and, and hopefully to listening to everybody and meeting people where they are, right? Isn't, isn't that kind of what we do too? And yes, we, we see a lot of patients and in, in many, many, many of our patients, uh, we will end up discharging home because they they don't end up having an emergency. And, and there's a lot of work that had to go into training yourself to get to that point. And then you will, through practice of emergency medicine, really make a difference. We all know that we've intubated somebody and saved a life, or we've you know run a great code, or we managed the trauma well, or whatever you did, you know, once a, every however long, uh, depending on the place where you work, you saved lives with your own two hands and, and with the skills and the training and experience that you have, right? Well, the same thing is kind of true in politics. It, the, the victories are are not, you don't get these victories all that often, but you do get them. And when you get them, it's really sweet because now you've made a true difference in the lives of people for the better. And, and you, you've done it at, at a societal scale, at a system scale. And and I think that there's there's something um, really fulfilling about that. That's that's really the only reason I got into this. I wanted to do public service for for its own sake, to to help the country become a better place, and and to to help to make a difference in, in a place where I I felt as as though we could have used that type of help, right? Somebody to step into that role. So if there are any physicians out there listening to this and they really want to run, please. I am happy to speak with you and and contact me, stay in touch with me, and I will give you a roadmap uh, as to how to move your career forward in this realm. If you do the work, I, I'll I'll be your partner in it and 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 guide you along the journey. And and I I really uh, I hope that more and more of us emergency physicians continue to do that for one another and and continue to pave that forward. So how can folks get in touch with you if they have any uh, questions, if they want to question this aspect, or uh, simply uh, support for your efforts moving forward into Congress? Uh, website, Amish for Arizona. Uh, my first name, Amish, A-M-I-S-H-F-O-R, Arizona.com. Uh, you can go there. Our campaign phone number is on there. Our email address is on there. Probably the email is the easiest way to send something across. <clears throat> and... Um, yeah, you can find out more about me, what I've done, all, all the stuff is there. I Pardon me for the mid-2000s style website. It is going through an upgrade right now. We will have a nicer, cleaner look for you shortly, but but actually you can see all of the various things on that website. So I, I that that is the best way to learn about me, reach out, and um, I hope to hear from, from anyone and everyone who, who wants to make a difference. Dr. Shaw, appreciate your time, and thanks once again for joining us. Sorry we couldn't make it happen. At uh, We actually tried to do this at the Leadership and Advocacy Conference this year in D.C., but between everybody's schedules and moving around and one of the mics not working for one of the other interviews, it just didn't happen. So uh, came back around over the last couple of weeks to make this happen, and I appreciate your time, and, and good, luck, good luck with everything. Uh, you know, Knowing you personally, uh, you do a wonderful job, and, um, you know, if, 
Arizona ever gets angry at you, feel free to come join us in Kentucky. We'd, we'd be happy to have you there. So, so where I, I have to ask now, so where are you? What, um, exactly what, uh, I, I can tell you're in a, in a, you know, you're doing your NASCAR thing. Uh, and, and what's, what's your day like when you do these things? So yeah, right now I'm sitting in a motor coach in the driver owner lot of Nashville, uh, do they call this one a super speedway or is it just it's considered a super speedway? My advisors around here tell me. So this is a super speedway uh, and uh, we've got today we will have, so this is a Friday for just kind of a pull back the curtain on everything. It's Friday when we're recording this. We've got meetings coming up here shortly with the safety and then we'll start our, shortly thereafter, we'll start our practices and qualifying. Uh, we have a truck race tonight, then we have a, a Xfinity race tomorrow and then a cup race on Sunday depending the weather behaves. So, it's pretty typical for us coming into town on a Thursday, planning to stay till Monday morning, hopefully, um, you know, that we end up inevitably on occasion with a plus one or a plus two day, meaning that the weather has pushed us back to a Monday or a Tuesday. Uh, yeah, but we're sitting inside a motor coach right now on the inside of the infield of the track and looking forward to uh, hopefully a good safe day of racing. We'll see. Weather looks pretty good for today. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, I, I hope everybody stays safe. So, sounds like a lot of fun. Well, it's as much fun as you can have as an emergency physician playing in traffic. So uh, appreciate, appreciate the time again. As for me, you can contact me, rstantonatasep.org, rstantonatasep.org, or at Everyday Med on Twitter. Until next time, I'm Dr. Ryan Stanton, and this has been some ASAP Frontline. If you're not on the front lines, you're on the sidelines.